when pastor asked, I was like, oh, I'll do that one. I've got one ready. I'm good. And then the Lord was like, no, I don't want you to do that one. And I was like, oh, come on. It goes with the theme. It's good. You know, like, please, it's ready. I don't have to stress. And he's like, that's not what I want you to do. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and so anyways, I want you to think about the hymn, Standing on the Promises. How often have we sung Standing on the Promises? I have probably sung it or played it at least a thousand times, I would guess, over my lifetime. I mean, we sing songs so flippantly that we don't even think about the words. I mean, I'm sure we're, I know I'm guilty of that. I'm sure we're all guilty of that. And when I think about standing on the promises and how many times we sing it, do we even know? Like, I'm sure if we were playing a Bible trivia game or a hymn trivia game, and I said, okay, you know, here's the beginning of the line. How many of you can finish this line of standing on the promises? Probably a good 80 to 90% in here of you would go, oh yeah, I know those. I know the words to that. But do we live those words? Now, obviously that's not the word of God, but are we singing things that we don't even mean? You know, like, are we really thinking about it? Well, over the last week, Standing on the Promises has just been running over and over and over in my mind. And I've asked the Lord and myself, am I, am I standing on the promises? Do I know what the promises are first? Am I standing? How do I stand? Like, how do you actually do that? You know how sometimes we hear a sermon and they, they you know, live by faith. How? Like, give me one, two, three steps, and I'll follow, you know, but like, let's get really practical here. So that's what I want to do. Am I accessing everything that God has for me? There's so much available to us, ladies. There's so much that God has put in his word. But are we accessing it, or are we just leaving it there and living our life? I want you to imagine a really, really wealthy man. He had all the money in the world. Also, don't get scared. I made my notes really big so I wouldn't have to put my glasses on as much. <laughs> so I have a lot of pages, but it's not that scary. So don't go, wow, that's a big stack. <laughs> it's like a book. Um, yeah, I didn't want to have to be like this constantly. So I want you to imagine a really, really wealthy man. Okay, he's got all the money that he could possibly need. It will supply all his wants, his needs, everything. But he is constantly going around and complaining about how hard life is and not having things and it's hard to get by nowadays and oh, look at the petrol prices and lettuce. Have you bought lettuce lately? Ridiculous. Like the lettuce we didn't even like. The, the iceberg that's like water. It's ridiculous how expensive. It's like gold. I need a garden like that. I've tried to grow lettuce. I'm terrible. But anyways, so this guy, he has, he could access all the money he needs. But he goes around and he just complains. I have nothing. I'm just, oh, it's so hard nowadays. He has a debit card that is tied to an account with unsearchable riches. And yet he's not accessing it. We, we would say, what is wrong with this guy? Look at him. He plays with the card. He lets his kids play, you know, banker or shop with it. And he puts it in a drawer and he doesn't even access it. He's got so much. And it's just, he's not using it. But God has given us over 8,000 promises in the Word of God. 7,147 promises are God to man. Do you think he made all these promises just to fill up scripture? Well, I need a few more to stick in there so the, the Bible is this thick. No, he didn't do it for that. 
everything we need to live this life and to live it victoriously, we can find right here in the Word of God. I want you to turn, and you probably are already there, to 2 Peter 1.4. And the Bible says here, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by these promises, ye might be partakers. That means you jump in and taste it, take it, partake of the divine nature, that's God's nature, having escaped the corruption. Don't you want to escape the corruption in this world? I do. That is in the world through lust. How? By these, it says by these, by these promises of God, that's how we can escape the corruption and everything that's going on in the world. Every year, um, I try to mix up my Bible reading a bit and I'll do different, I'll have a, like a, a plan, obviously, but I'll focus on something different. I just, I pray about it as the year is ending and I just say, Lord, what do you want me to focus on this coming year in my Bible reading? So I'll read normal, but I'll be looking for something. So for instance, um, one year I did, last year I did the names of God. Oh, wow, if you have not studied the names of God, I highly recommend it. It will grow your faith. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I've done Women of the Bible, where I would really, as I got to different women's stories, I'd focus in more and read it. Um, I've read chronologically. I've read where I write down verses all about mothers. You know, every time I came across a verse about being a mother, I would write that one down. Or if I came across, I did one year where I did all about being a wife. Um, so some of those themes, and like I said, the one about Probably my favorite so far has been the names of God. It was so rich, so rich. Um, who he is and how those names fill every need that I could have. Like, he's so amazing. Well, this year, I prayed about it and I said, Lord, what do you want me to focus in on this year as I read through my Bible? And I started on the promises of God. And so every time I would come across a promise, it could be to Abraham, it could be to Sarah, it could be to Moses, it could be to anybody. I, would, I have a little journal and I'm writing them in there. There's a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. Um, but as you read through the, the Bible, you see these promises that God made to Abraham and Sarah and Israel and Jacob and David, and I can go on and on. But the ones I love the best, and I think that I feel, I don't know, that I love the most are the ones, the women the women of the Bible that God has given promises to. I want you to remember, these women were real women, real women with real lives and real problems, but they encountered a real God. That's what made the difference. They're just, they were just like us. They had hard lives, way harder than we have. They were real, they had real issues, but they had a real God. And I can, so first off, I can stand on God's promises because I can look at the women in scripture and see how they stood on God's promises. I can believe God's promises because of the women in history. I'm so thankful that God gave promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but he didn't forget Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel. God's put those for us to learn and to glean from. Pastor was just talking about Abraham and Sarah. I'm gonna recap that a bit. Think about Sarah. We talk about Abraham, he's always the hero. But Sarah went through a lot. Did you know that Abraham and Sarah were not used to dwelling in tents and living that nomadic life? I don't know, for some reason when I read the Bible, I think they all lived in tents and that was just life. But they were from a city. 
They had a house. They had land. They had cattle. They had all this stuff. And God's just saying, pack up and you're going to be on the road and you don't know where you're going. Like the faith for her to just follow and go is amazing. Turn to Hebrews 11, verse 11. We're going to read a verse about her. So Hebrews 11, verse 11. Once again, what gave her that faith? She had a promise from God. She had a promise that she could rely on. Hebrews 11, 11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Now here's the point. Because she judged him faithful who had promised she, I love it when God puts it in there, not he or all men or whatever. She, that's ours, ladies. That's a promise right there. She, that's for us, had judged him faithful. She knew she could count on him who had promised. Now, God made it so impossible <laughs> for them to have a baby. I mean, they were way up there in years. We know the story. He got, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and they're like, God, is this ever going to happen? didn't they? They got tired. They tried their own things. We know how that all worked. But God likes to get it to where it's so impossible that when he comes through, we all know it's God because there's no way it was just a coincidence. And God likes to do that in our lives too. He likes to point it out and say, I did that. And then we can praise him and give him the glory that he deserves. She stood on the promises. Of course, her husband, like we said, is the ultimate example of faith. Um, in Romans 4, I won't turn to it right now, verse 20 and 21, he staggered not at the promises of God. You know how when you hear something a bit amazing, or like Curtis, when he got asked to speak this morning, you know, he was like, excuse me? You know, like, whoa, I'm staggering at that, like that's a lot. But Abraham didn't stagger at the promise of God. Another person who stood and being fully persuaded that what he, was, what he had promised he was able also to perform. See, that's what matters. We make promises to each other, but we're not always able to perform those promises. But our God is, he's always able. Are we fully persuaded like Abraham? Do we believe that we can really trust him? I think about the promises to Moses in Exodus 3.12, certainly I will be with thee. I think about Joshua 1.5, as I was with Moses, I will be with thee. Joseph. Think about Joseph. He got forgotten for a long time. God did not turn things around for a long time, and he was in a very desperate place. But the Lord was with Joseph and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. I think about the Hebrew boys, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had faith to stand on the character and the promise of God. But if it didn't work out, remember, but if not, we're still going to stand. We're going to jump out here into the flame, or jump in here, into the flame. We know God's capable, but if he decides not to, we're still gonna trust him. That is like real faith. They were resting everything on his word, their life, everything on his word, and we're all, and they were all, like I said, literally in the fire. Well, let's get back to the women of the Bible. We're still on the men. My favorite one to talk about, and I'm only going to mention her briefly, is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Think about the promise that came to her. She was so young. She only wanted to please the Lord. She was chosen to have the Messiah. She's given a promise. 
and she believes it. In Luke 1.35, um, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow, overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born shall, shall be called the Son of God. And then verse 37, For with God nothing, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me, here's the key, according to thy word. Be it unto whatever, Lord, to your word, your promise, I'm yours. I, I surrender to it. According to your word, I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust your word. But her process was very hard. It wasn't easy. Her family didn't believe her. Her friends didn't believe her. Even Joseph the man she's about to marry was like, I'm just going to put her away privately. You know, we'll just kind of call off the wedding and I'm just going to, you know. It wasn't an easy process for her and it didn't start out good. Um, the birth was not what she had dreamed. It wasn't beautiful and a shower and, you know, have this amazing, you know, epidural. <laughs> she didn't get any of those. She didn't get any of the perks or the beautiful surroundings that a Messiah, a king, deserved. The process would not, was not what she thought it would be, but God was still keeping his promise because he had a purpose. God has a plan for your life as well, and he will keep those promises. Through Mary's life, we learn that God's promises are true, and we can um, expect them with certainty to happen. And remember the verse about how she pondered those things in her heart? She just kept remembering what God, what the angel had said when he came and said, you're going to have a child, this son is going to be the Messiah, and he's going to be the son of God. Life's not about every event lining up and being great, and we know that. But it's about God's purpose being fulfilled. On that journey to heaven, yeah, we're going to have our ups and downs and we're going to have hard times and good times. But if God's purpose is fulfilled in the end, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's about. So even when Mary couldn't understand her son's life, she held on to his promises. Like I said, God will never violate his promises because he has to fulfill his purpose. And it all lines up together. Luke 1.45, let's turn to that one. I want you to see this one. Luke 1.45. And here's another one of those verses that has a she in it. See, those are special. The guys cannot claim these verses. They're for us. These are special ones, just for us ladies. And it says, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And like I said, I believe every word in this Bible, in the word of God is true, but I love it when he writes it just to us. It's special, it's just for us ladies. Blessed is she that believed. Wow, that's, that's just for us. Well, better than the stories of the women of the Bible, I can also stand on the promises of God because of the character of God. Way better than their stories. God cannot lie. In Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Has he ever once said he will do something and then he doesn't do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? 
He can't lie. It is not in his character to lie. He's able. That's another thing. We can't always keep our promises, but God can. He's able. He's got all the power. Jeremiah 32, 27, is there anything too hard for me? Another thing, I forget promises. How many of you had, you know, my children are a little bit older, so it's different, but when they're little and they'll ask for something and they'll be like, you promise? <laughs> and you'll promise and then you forget. God never forgets. God never forgets. He's, and he's always faithful. And the names of God that I got to study last year, um, they reveal who he is. And you can know so much more about his character and know that he is trustworthy. And somebody asked me, what's the greatest name that you studied? Like, what's your favorite? I got a bunch. But I would say the greatest name in the Bible and the greatest promise in the Bible is the one that you need right now. It's going to change throughout your life. But the one that you need right now is the one. Usually God would reveal a new name to people at a fork in the road of their life, um, like Abraham. When God told him, I want you to go and, you know, start a new nation, the name that was revealed to him was El Shaddai. El Shaddai is, I don't have it all written down, but it's basically, it means like the, literally it means the breasted one. It's like a mother taking a child, a newborn child, and everything that child needs, I think of Julia back here with Little Rose, everything that child needs to live, survive, grow, thrive, is given from the mother. You know, in the feeding process, that's what El Shaddai means. Like we can go up to God and everything we need is like right there for us, available for us. Um, Hagar, you know the story of Hagar where she's running and she's out by the well? God gives her the name El Roy, which is thou God seest me. She was out alone in a desert. Abraham and Sarah had kicked her out and God said, I see you. You're not even Jewish. I see you. I think of the Christmas name of Emmanuel. I mean, we think of it as the Christmas name, but that's God with us. There's so many. And whenever God called a person, he always reminded them that I will be with you. He's faithful. I can trust him. He's never let anyone down. And I can base my whole life on him. And another reason I can stand, because there's nothing else to stand on. I think the last two years has shown us that this whole world is very fragile. I mean, who would have ever dreamed that we would be having sessions yesterday where we're talking about people not being able to go to church? I mean, like three, four years ago, would we ever have dreamed that would even be a topic? We talked about it like in some communist country or something. We never thought these things were gonna actually happen. But I can risk it all. I can put it all on the line. I can move across the world with my husband and my nine-month-old son to a country that I know no one, I can risk it all because I know God's there. He's there. He was in America when I was growing up, and he's here now, and I can trust him. I, like I said, God cannot lie. God keeps his promises because his character is at stake. He has to keep his promises. When he made a promise, remember, he could swear by none other. You know, what here, you know, you'll people swear on a stack of Bibles or whatever they think is the highest thing. God can swear by none greater than him. He is the greatest. And when he made a promise, he always keeps it. The more you learn about our God 
and his character, the more your faith will grow. But another reason I can stand on the promises of God, and this is where I want to get really practical, is because I've tried it. And he's faithful. One of my biggest sins, and if you know me very well, you'll be like, yes, this is one of your biggest sins, but I like to worry. Ever since I was a little child, I have struggled with worrying. I can't tell you how many times through my life that I wake up worrying about something or not being able to sleep worrying about something. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. But it has been a struggle. I mean, since I was really young, really young, and it's, it's bad. But I remember, oh, and as I get older and I have more responsibilities, I mean, as a child, what do you worry about? turning your work into school the next day. You know, I remember those kind of things. But as you get older and you become a wife and then a mother, whew, and then you have a ministry and your worries just go like, bigger, there's so many more things to worry about. But I remember the first time that I ever learned how to stand on the promise of God. I was saved when I was five years old. That's very young. Um, and that was wonderful. And God saved me from having to live a life and with lots of regrets and sins. But because I was so young, when I reached my teen years, I had a lot of struggle with assurance of salvation. Because there hadn't been a great giant change in my life. When I hit, you know, 13, 14, and I would go to youth camps, or we'd be at a conference or something, and I'd be like, I need to get saved. <laughs> you know, and I would like pray at almost every invitation when salvation was preached because I just, I could not get that assurance. I just couldn't. And I kept asking the Lord for it and I just couldn't get the victory over it. And I really, really struggled. My dad and I were very close. And if you've ever heard me talk about him, my dad was a pastor um, in the state of Maryland near Washington, D.C. And he was the one I would always go to with my questions and my problems, and he would always give me a verse. And this was the first time in my memory that I remember him teaching me how to stand on a promise. And so I, I decided that I needed to talk to him, so I would ride home with church, ride home from church with him. That was when we had like our deep talks. I feel bad, because as you would know with your husband being a pastor, and a lot of you, like they're tired after, like on a Sunday night, that was when I wanted to talk to him. He has been going all day, he's preached all day, and then of course he's had counseling and all this stuff after church. And I would wait around, and it was like a 15, 20 minute ride home, and he just wanted to listen to the baseball game. I knew that, but I, he could tell, like I'm really quiet over in the passenger seat, like, oh, she wants to talk to me about something. You know, I know he knew that. But I remember he was listening to the Yankee game. He was a big New York Yankee fan. And we were driving down the name of the church. The road was Church Road. We're driving down. It's dark. And he, he turned the radio down. He's like, do you want to talk about something? <laughs> like, is it that obvious? I'm probably sitting there worrying. Um, and I told him, I said, I just, I don't know if I'm saved. I, I want to know for sure I'm saved. But I just, I pray it all the time. I keep asking the Lord at night. I'll say, Lord, please save me. I want to be saved. And he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. And this is how you stand on the promises of God. He said, when you get home, I want you to go to your room and I want you to open up your Bible to Romans 10, 13. We all know that verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he said, I want you to get down on your knees in your room by yourself. 
and I want you to read that verse out loud to God. And I want you to say and point to it and say, right here, God, you promised. You promised that if I would call upon the name of the Lord, and I have, that I will be saved. So I'm, tr I'm going to trust that promise right here, Lord. Lord, you wrote it. I didn't write this, but I'm doing what you said. And I've prayed it. And so this is the promise. And I'm going to trust you. And if I die and go to hell, then you didn't keep your promise. That's what he told me to say. So I went home. And I went to my room. And I shut the door. And I got down on my knees and I opened up my Bible. And I said, God, you know how much I've been struggling with this. And... I want to know for sure I'm saved. And you said right here that if I would call upon the name of the Lord, I shall be saved. And I'm going to trust you. I don't have to keep it. You do. You made the promise. And I give it back to you. And you know what? I got up from that time, and I have never doubted my salvation since. God gave me the victory. And Dad said, if you ever do, you go back to the verse and you do the same thing. Well, later in my teen years, I was really, really seeking God's will. Um, I would go to these youth conferences and a lot of, in this time period, a lot of people my age were surrendering to go to missions, different things, and I, I wanted to know God's will. I wanted to know who I was supposed to marry, what I was supposed to do. You know, I wanted my life planned out, like Curtis said. You know, I wanted a list of everything I was supposed to do. But I, I just didn't know what it was, and God gave me this verse, Psalm 1611. It's my life verse. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And I realized right there that God was going to show me. Like, show me. Like, you take a child and you go, there, see it? Right there. That's what God was going to do. And so I rested in that. Like, God, you're going you're gonna to guide me through this. Obviously, there were some conditions on this promise. And that's where we have to make sure we're lining up with that promise. I had to be in his presence. And I had to be, at, I had to be close to him at his right hand. But he will show me. Later, when Jim and I got married and we faced infertility for a few years, it seemed like forever, um, we fasted and we took this verse, Ezra 8.23. So we fasted and besought our God for this. And he was entreated of us. We prayed that. And God gave us two children. God's word works. And when I thought I was miscarrying him, we found out we were pregnant. We were traveling on deputation in America. We got to this rest stop, and I went in, and there was a problem. And I came out, and I'm like, I mean, we'd prayed and fasted and prayed, and we're finally just told our parents that we're expecting, and there was a bit of a problem. And I came out, and I remember tears in my eyes, and I'm like, there's something wrong. And Jim called our doctor, and she, she said, just have her go lay down. And you know, we thought it was all over. I got this verse, Psalms 139. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all thy members were written, when in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. And I'm like, Lord, this baby is like that. But you already see all the members of this body of this baby. And I claim that. And he's 18. <laughs> God's word is true. And it doesn't always go the way we want it to. In September of eight, September of 2008, my dad, my hero, was killed in a plane crash. And my whole world crumbled. 
he was really, I mean, I was married to Jim. We had two kids. Lydia was two. Jimmy was five. Um, my world fell apart, really fell apart. And that was the lowest I've ever been. And the devil really started hammering me. He knew I was down, and he knew he could, like, get some really good arrows into my head. And I remember I was driving, I was in the car by myself. We were in America. It was in between the death and the funeral, and you know, you're in this blur. Those of you that have gone through something like that, it's just a, it was so unexpected. He preached Sunday night, and Tuesday night he's in heaven. Like it was just so out of the blue. And I'm driving, I remember where I was, and the devil's like, what if heaven's not real? Like, what if none of this was real? Like, what if it's all just a story? Like, what if it's just like, you know, Islam or like, what's it? I mean, he was like hitting me. And I'm like, what? you know, like I, I just couldn't even hardly fight. It was so intense. And you, you're probably never going to see him again. Like, you guys, you know, you all talk about when we all get to, I mean, it was like intense. I just remember this. I got home and I knew where to go. I went to my Bible and I started reading and I found this verse in 2 Timothy 2.13 and it says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. And it was like the Lord had read my mind. He had. <laughs> but he gave me that verse. It doesn't matter if I believe. It doesn't matter if I claim his promises. He's still faithful. He can't deny himself. And I wrote that down and I carried it around with me until I was able to overcome those darts. He's faithful whether I am or not, and he will do what he has said he will do. The promises of God are for every season. If you're a child, there's promises for you. When I was a child, like I told you, I worried and everything was scary. And my verse as a child was, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Um, in my teen years, like I said, I wanted to know God's will, and I have verses about being shaken in my mind and sitting still and resting in God. As a mother, I've got verses for that. My favorite verse, and this is one I'm still praying through, is John 4:42. And he said unto the woman, uh, and said unto the woman. Now this is, this is in Samaria. Remember the woman at the well, how she goes out and starts telling people. We kind of skip this verse a lot of times, but it's right at the end of the chapter. Listen to this. And said unto the woman, now, this is what the townspeople are saying, and this is what I want for my children. Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and believe that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. That's what I want. I want them to hear God them, so I, can't, I can tell them and tell them and tell them. Same with you. I can tell you and tell you, but until you hear him yourself and know that he is Christ, the Savior of the world. These promises aren't just a crutch in my life. They are a stretcher. They're a wheelchair. Like, they carry me. And you see, you have to remember what God has done through my life when I was struggling with assurance. That built my faith a little bit. So then when I was seeking God's will and I remembered, wait, I can, I can trust a promise. So then that built my faith. And then as I moved on and, you know, we were getting ready to come to Australia and just the different steps through life, God 
was there and he gave me a promise that I could carry. And that grows your faith. So how do we stand on the promises of God? First off, you gotta know what the promises are. Don't just let me tell you what the promises are, or Azariah, or pastor, your pastor. Find them yourself. You need them yourself. Find them yourself. And I'm not saying, okay, you start going through whatever, sick relative or something, you go Google. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, get in God's word. Don't go, you know, a verse for grief or a verse for worry. That's fine. But get in God's word. Dig it out yourself. It's so much more precious. I promise you. Um, some promises have conditions and we have to be careful. We can't, I'm not talking name it, claim it. So please, like, I'm not saying, oh, you know, God will give me the desires of my heart. I want a Tesla. So he will give me a Tesla. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. But some verses have conditions where you have to do something and it has to line up. And God says, if you do this, it was like Pastor Shemesh last night saying, we got to be in that stream of blessing. And when we get out of that stream, we're not meeting the conditions. It's not, it, they're not, they're not magical. They're powerful, but it's not like magic words, I say. I hope I'm making that clear. Um, like Joshua 1.8 talks about having good success, but there's a lot of conditions that go with it. You have to be meditating on the word of God. You gotta be speaking about it all the time. You can't live a carnal life. You gotta be living it. So there's a lot of things that have to line up. But when you find that promise, Go somewhere private, fall on your knees, and read it to God out loud. Read it to God and say, you said this. I, I am not recommending that you, you know, say, I, I think we need to be respectful to God, and I think you need to go, Lord, you said this, and I don't deserve this at all, but would you be willing to give this to me? Because I promise I'll praise you for it. And I'll tell people how, what you've done. So fall on your knees, pour out your heart. My family knows if I get bad news or I'm really struggling some, with something, they know where to find me because we have this little walk-in closet in our bedroom. It's not very big, but that is where I go. And they will find me in there crying, praying. That's where, they, when they're like, where's mom? <laughs> Especially if they know something's going on. They know to come there. That's where I'm gonna be. Um, have a place, wherever it is, that's private, that you can audibly talk to God. And then take that promise to the Lord. And like I said, I'm not talking you name something just because you desired something. That's not. God's promise that he will always keep his word. And you remind him, Lord, you promised this and I'm asking you. I don't deserve it, but would you give it to me? He cannot lie. Study the character of God. He's always faithful. He's able to fulfill those promises. And then remind him that you will give him glory. But also, my son, he's, he's working a job this morning. And he texted me. I was actually sitting out in the car during the first session studying and praying. And he texted me. He said, Mom, would you pray about this? Right now, I've got this situation happening. Would you pray? And I said, sure, I'll pray. And I prayed. And I said, Lord, please, Jimmy knows I'm praying. He needs to see that you answer prayer. And whenever I pray for him about something, I always tell, I remind the Lord, Lord, please re remember, he's watching. I need his faith to grow. Please answer it, not for anything that we deserve, but to grow his faith that you're, you're real and you're true. And sometimes 
I'll write those verses on a card and I'll put it in my pocket or I'll put it in my handbag. And that way, every time I feel it, it just reminds me, oh yeah, I'm thinking about that promise today. Like I said, it's not a good luck charm. It's not a, you know, oh, this whole, it's magical. No, it's I'm going back to the word of God and then record it, write it down. Keep a journal of all the things God's doing in your life. And remember, like Sarah, sometimes it takes time. It's not instant. Sarah had to wait and wait and wait and wait for that promise. But in the end, he comes through. So in summary, remember God gives these promises to us. Are we accessing them? They're for us. If we're not accessing them, like that rich man, we're the one at fault. We're the one not reaching out. If we believe yet, if the, the, let me try this again. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot, he cannot, he cannot deny himself. They're great, they're exceeding great. They're better than great promises. And they're what we need. They're everything we need to make it through this life. But we have to be partakers you have to trust, you have to cling to his promise, you take it back to God and you said, God, this is what you said. I'm gonna stand on this, I'm gonna trust you with this and I know you'll come through because you always do. We can trust him and he gives us hope which becomes our anchor in this crazy world. If you never step out and you never trust him with the promises, you'll never know. You'll never know. God's not obligated again to do what we ask for or say, but he is obligated to keep his word and he always will. So in closing, I can stand on the promises of God because like Sarah, I judged him faithful who's promised. He's faithful, he will come through, and he wants us to come to him and access those promises. So I hope that was a blessing. And when we sing Standing on the Promises again, Let's really think about it. And are we, are we standing? Are we accessing everything that God has? And thank you.